Uh, isn't it good to be saved? You know, I think it's so easy. It's so easy when you, when you sing songs like Oh Holy Night and Silent Night. That's some of my favorite Christmas songs there are. It's easy to romanticize that night. It's sweet and soft. And, but if we were to be real, especially you ladies in the house that's had to give birth in a, in a place where animals are kept. I don't know if you've been around a farm or been around animals that much, but the smell is not so sweet. I need a witness right there. And the sounds and all that goes along with that, can you imagine can you imagine the, the pain and the suffering of childbirth, dealing with that, and then dealing with the elements and the surroundings and all of that that went on? I think sometimes we don't realize or don't stop and think about how humble he came. And him coming in his humility and what it means for us today. So let's do this. I'm going to let you sit down. Just go ahead and sit down. Uh, uh, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter number two. My sister, uh, last night we had our, some of our family over and my sister inquired, uh, most of you know, she, she, uh, runs the, 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 the nursery department and all the, the little, little youngins. And, and, uh, she, she said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? I said, well, I said, I can't really shake. Luke chapter two, there's no room in the end. She says, how long is the outline? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, she's finally getting spiritual on me. She's wanting to know about this. And she said, we have had a ton of people call out sick and we're scrambling. I said, oh, short and sweet is what you're trying to say. So, uh, listen, I, I, I really couldn't, I, I, I wanted to just do different Christmas themes for this morning. And, and I, I read it over and over and over and over again. And just that thought I could not shake. So if you will with me, will you join me in Luke chapter number two and let's read just a few verses and then we will stop in verse number seven. It says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, even everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He was of royal blood. Now, that, now, now, Galilee was about 70 miles away from Bethlehem. So this was not an easy journey. This was a difficult journey. And it says in verse 5, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, espoused means they were engaged. Now, it says the word wife because in that culture, when you were engaged, you were considered married, but not consummated the marriage yet after the wedding ceremony. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So they were married, but they had not come together yet. 
and, uh, and she was pregnant. That was, that was a scandal. That was unheard of. And what was even more unheard of is Joseph, or the husband, staying with the wife who is pregnant and not necessarily, it was not at all his child. But God was behind it all. Say amen. amen. And look what takes place. And, and I'm saying that for a reason for what we're going to hear in just a moment. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, a manger place where they fed the livestock, because there was no room for them in the inn. Read that last sentence with me out loud. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for coming to this earth so we could make it to heaven. Thank you for being born so long ago and dying on a cross, and raising again, and sitting at the right hand of the Father, you are interceding on our behalf. Lord, I need you to intercede in this service. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will touch our hearts, convict us, draw us closer to you. I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And all God's people said. This was a scandalous situation. Even in the culture of our day, it's, 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 it tends to lend to that. I didn't realize, I didn't realize how many different opinions or thoughts or disagreements there were about where Jesus was born and what the inn was or what the stable was. Uh, the word inn, some, some people believe that it was your typical inn where you would go and rent a room for the night or whatever because you were traveling through. It was a place to stop in your travels. Uh, but one, one commentator, and, and he described it, what he believed was something I'd never heard of before. He said the word inn there, and it's translated also guest chamber. Say that with me. Guest chamber, the same, same Greek word is translated guest chamber. How many of y'all remember when, when Jesus and the disciples went to the upper room for Passover, the night of his arrest? How many of y'all remember that? It says guest chamber. It was the same word. And this commentator believed that without a doubt in his mind uh, that because this was uh, Joseph's hometown, he had relatives that were there. And, and there would have been a place for him to stay in a guest chamber, all right? But because of an unwed mother, that even their own family rejected them. Now, I don't know if that's the case. It's very interesting. It's very intriguing. The Bible says he came into his own and his own received him not. I mean, it fits the narrative. It fits his rejection at an early stage, but we can't be dogmatic about that. We can't be precise about that. Uh, then, then, uh, there is a disagreement about the manger itself. 
Was this a cattle stall outside of the inn? Was it uh, uh, a cattle where they kept the cattle underneath the family unit, the family house? Uh, or was it a cave? Many people believe and when you go to Israel, you will, you will hear the guides and they say this was a cave where they birthed uh, baby lambs. And all of, that, all of that is interesting. All of that's intriguing. I mean, I, I can sit and read stuff like that all the time. But if the truth be known, if the truth be known, we don't know. We just don't know. It's irrelevant. We don't know if this was their family and their family rejected them. We don't know if this was just a, your typical inn that you would stay at overnight. And because of the crowd that's there, they were uh, turned away. But what we do know, what we do know is that what Jesus received, now stay with me right here, this is important. There's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that we don't know, and there's no sense in arguing about it, and there's no sense in getting disagreement about it because we just don't know. But what we do know is what Jesus got was what was left over. What was left over. What was, what was needed, what was needed was denied. What was right was denied what, what should have been was denied, and he got what was. Man, I couldn't shake that. And I'll be honest with you, I'll be honest with you, the more I looked at this thought, the more that I molded over in my heart and my mind, and as God began to give me some of the things that I want to share with you today, I got very convicted. I got very convicted. It says there was no room for him in the end. And I'm going to tell you, that is, a, that is a small picture of the epitome of humanity's treatment of deity. No room. Just what is left over. I want to ask you a question. I want to give you three things to think about, and then we'll pray real, real, real quick today. Is there room... Is there room, have you made room for him in your heart? Have you made room for him in your heart? And before you answer, before you answer, make sure you hear me out. Uh, uh, this is very important. This is primary in your life. This is the most important thing you could do in your life. Jesus, listen, he gave us through the, the writer in Romans. He said uh, that if we will believe in our heart, if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The word Lord is primary. It's supreme. It's authority. Have you made room for Jesus in your heart? Is he the Lord of your life? Is he most important? Is he priority? Do you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your mind, and all your soul? This is the first and great commandment. Is there room for Jesus in your heart? Listen, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the good treasure of the heart, man brings 
good things. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying it starts with your heart. Is he first in your life? Is he priority? You know, the old saying, the old cliche, is he your spare tire or is he your steering wheel? Is he first? He's not, he cannot be the co-pilot. He has to be the pilot. But have you made room for him? Have you made room for him? Or is it a, is it a crowded space? Do you know why sometimes we never come to Christ till we hit the bottom? Because He's got to get everything out of the way. We have so many things in the way. We have so many uh, wishes and wants and desires and our wills and our plans. And Jesus said, listen, let me tell you something. If you're going to follow me, you have to deny, take up your cross and follow me. So is there room? Is there room for Jesus in your heart? Oh, my kids are my life. Well, they better not be. My spouse is my life. They better not be. Because they're temporary. Your spouse will not always be there. Your kids are going to grow up and marry gospel singers and move to North Carolina on you. Oh, holy night. <laughs> Are y'all with me? What's first? Jesus must come first. Or is he getting what is left over? Not, not only in your heart. Number two. Number two. Listen, have you made room for Jesus in your heart? But are you making room? This is so big right here. This is so big for all you parents in here. If you've got little ones, please listen up right here. Have you made room for Jesus in your home? Have you made room for Jesus in your home? Look what the Bible says. He is speaking to the nation of Israel. They're going into the promised land. And y'all y'all remember, y'all remember, uh, that they had already got to the edge of the promised land and, and did not go in because of unbelief. And so that whole generation had to wander around in the wilderness 40 years till they all died off. And then here comes this new generation that God had promised. And Deuteronomy is, is, is the, the word Deuteronomy means second law or second reading of the law. In other words, before God let them go into the promised land, he reminded them of what they he told them the first time. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And this is what he said. This is what he said. Deuteronomy 6, this is after he gave them all of the law, after he gave them all of their responsibilities, after he gave them everything that they were to follow and to do and to obey. He says in Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, and thou shalt, say it with me, and thou shalt with all thine and with all thy and with all thy and these words, watch this now, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Now watch what he said to do. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. 
You know what that means? That means that you need to be teaching your kids about Jesus at home. At home. Do you have room for Jesus at home? Have you made space for Jesus at home? Do you realize what happens here is supplementary? Hope that's a word. Is that a word? Thank you. Amen. Miss Hall, appreciate it. That we're, we're just supplementing what you're supposed to be doing at home. It is not the pastor's responsibility to make sure your kids know about Jesus. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job or responsibility to make sure. Now, we're going to do everything we can that they do, but it's not their responsibility to make sure they know about Jesus. It's not the children's pastor's responsibility for them. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. We beg you to get your children where they can get under the word and hear about Jesus. And, and a lot of times we get to run around and we go, well, we got this and we got this practice and we got this game and we got to go to this event and we got to go here and there. And then we they get grown and they go crazy and they do crazy things and you beg me to go see them. And you know, let me tell you why there was no room made at home. I, I grew up in church my whole life. Y'all know that I grew up in the, in the children's department. I grew up in the teen group. I grew up, I grew up in, in just like most of your kids will today. And there's a, there's several, there's a bunch that's either dead or in jail or not in church that I grew up with in church that sat beside me, sang the same song, saying Jesus loves me. This I know for my Bible tells me so. Listen, went to the same Sunday school classes and heard the same preaching. Everything was the same. What was the difference? Preacher, how'd you turn out this way? And they turned out that way. What happened at home? Parents, I'm going to tell you this. Your kids are no dummies. If they see you one way, and I told you this, I don't, I don't really want to be this convicted on Christmas Eve. I want to be oh, holy night, silent night, joy to the world. You know, I, I, that's what I want. But I'm going to tell you, this thought cannot get out of my head. If, if your kids see you one way here at church and another way six other days of the week, I promise you this, that's the one that's going to influence them. Yeah, you can give him glory, give him praise. It's okay. Will you make room at home? This, this one, this question this question the Holy Spirit put in my mind. Now, everybody listen. You got to be honest with me. Don't lie now. Don't lie. You, you, it's going to snow and blizzard you in right here today. Because <laughs> this convicted me. When is the last time? When is the last time the name of Jesus crossed your lips outside of the church building? And not a curse. Think about that a minute. I, I, had to, I had to sit and I had to sit and think. I, I talked to a lady yesterday at, at Rock and Roll Sushi. 
Miss, De, Miss Delena. And I prayed for her and, 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 and I told her, I said, ma'am, do you know Jesus loves you? That was the last time that the word Jesus come out of my mouth. And then I, and I began to think, now parents, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to, do you have room for Jesus at home? I know you talk about sports. I know you talk about education and, and school and all that's important. I'm, I'm not against any of that stuff. I love it all. But is there anything left over for Jesus? And how sad it is that we're saying it like that. What is left over should be what everything else gets. Jesus should be first. He should be priority. He is Lord. He's king. He's first. Have you made room for Jesus in your home? Then thirdly, I need everybody's attention right here. This is, this is, this is one that I'm, I'm the worst at and I need to get better at. But do you have room for Jesus in your head? Now you say, what are you talking about, in your head? Is anybody like me that you'll lay down in your bed at night trying to go to sleep and 50 things go through your head that you either did wrong that day, didn't get done that day, or they're going to be mad at the next day? Is anybody like me? Does anybody get so caught up in your, your worries and your doubts and your fears and you lay there and, and listen, you about have a panic attack and an anxiety attack because you got this going on and that going on and oh my stars, what are we going to do here? And all of a sudden you find out there is no room for, he's not even a second thought. He's not even, I mean, he hasn't even crossed your mind because we've packed it so full of our problems and our issues. It reminded me of the apostle Peter. How many of y'all remember when the apostle Peter was in the storm with the disciples and, and, and they see Jesus walking on the water? Wouldn't that have been a cool event? Here comes it. Y'all don't believe that? What a cool event. I mean, Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter says, can I come out there? He said, come on. And he's walking on the water. Peter is walking on the water. I mean, he's accomplishing something incredible. And then all of a sudden the wave comes up and Jesus, or excuse me, Peter looks at the wave and immediately he begins to what? He begins to sink. What happened? His mind, his mind got crowded. Instead of focusing on Jesus, he began to focus on the wave. And when he focused on the wave, he began to sink. Now, how often do we do that? How often in life are we in a stormy situation and instead of focusing on the, the water walker, instead of focusing on the one who can calm the storm in our life, who says, peace be still, and it calms the waves and the wind, instead of thinking about him, we focus on the wave. We focus on the storm. We focus on our problems and we focus on our issues. And you know what? He gets what is. But it's, it's so cool to, to read that immediately he cried out. 
Now, I don't know how far away Jesus was. He could have been 100 yards from Peter. I don't know how close Peter was to him when he began to sing. All I know is as soon as he cried out, Jesus was there. And he lifted him up. I want to, I want to tell you all the story, and then this is it. Believe it or not, this is it. The story of Scott Rideout. He's a good friend of mine. He has come, and, and, and he, was, he was over the Converge uh, uh, Church Fellowship, the domination, just a church planning organization, done incredible things. He has pastored five, six, seven thousand member churches and just been involved in so many huge things. I, I'm like, I don't know how, how in the world he had the time to do the things he did and was on the boards that he was on. And Well, one day, one day there's a lot of things going on, a lot of stress. You can imagine how that is. And he got, he got, what's the, what's the deal where you get dizzy all the time? Vertigo. That's it. Vertigo. He got vertigo. He began to, he said the room, just all of a sudden the room began to spin. And he said it just kept getting worse. And then the next day it never got no better. And the next day, listen, it never got no better. And, 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 and he went to a doctor here and a doctor there. And he said he went to specialists and he, he's had MRIs. He's had all of these things going on, trying to figure out what in the world is the problem. He, he ended up having to sleep in a, in a, in a incline and incline one of those stand-up chair type things. And he, he said it was just a nightmare, a nightmare. And he said, he said this went on, and I, I, I'm trying to remember how many years, but it was a long time. And he thought, man, I'm going to have to live with this the rest of my life. He said I would, I, would, I would get so dizzy and nauseated and sick, I'd vomit. And he said he went to one he was suggested to go to a, a, a Christian counselor. And, you know, most men, they're, they're kind of negative to that, unfortunately. They shouldn't be, but, but there's this stigma that goes along, which shouldn't be. And he goes. And he ain't there. He ain't there 15 minutes. And the guy says, I know what your problem is. Now, if Scott Rideout wasn't the man that he was, he would cuss. <laughs> but he's just a godly man. He said, what do you mean you know? I've been to every specialist there was. I've been here 10 minutes, and you know what my problem is? He said, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start journaling. And I want you to sit down, and in the morning, I want you to write out what you're afraid of what you're frustrated with, what, you're, what, what is causing anxiousness in you. What is your problem is stress. You don't realize it, you don't think it is, but stress is causing this issue. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write out what it is you're afraid of. Fear is usually the seed behind almost all of this. What are you angry at? What are you frustrated at? So I want you to write it down. And as soon as you get it written down, he says, I want you to take each one, one by one, and give them to Jesus. Now, don't roll your eyes. 
He said, give them to Jesus. I want you to pray and I want you to look at that situation and ask yourself, stay with me, ask yourself, can Jesus, is Jesus big enough to fix this? Is Jesus big enough to fix this? And he gave the date. He gave the date. He was speaking to our staff. And he gave the date that the very first time he did this and he prayed and he said, Jesus, you're bigger than my fear. You're bigger than this problem that I'm worried about. You're bigger than all of this. And I'm giving this to you. And he went down the list one after another, after another, after another. And he said, it happened on such and such a day, such and such a month, such and such a year. And he said, the reason I know the day, that was the last day I had vertigo. Yeah, give him praise. Preacher, what are you saying? You know, let me tell you what he did. Everybody, this is it. I told you, this is all I'm going to do. Let me tell you what he did. He made room for Jesus. All of those things was crowded in his mind, crowded in his thinking. Listen, it was suffocating him. And one by one, he took him to Jesus. One by one, he, he said, Jesus is bigger than this. Jesus is bigger than this. And this is no problem for Jesus. He, and he made room for Jesus in his head. I want to ask you. I wish, I wish everybody would have a Merry Christmas. But for some people, it's not. Mary. It brings bad memories. And it, and, it, and it reminds them of things that are hurtful and painful. It, listen, some people this year, there's going to be somebody missing from the, the circle this year. And it's going to be hard. But I want to, I want to encourage you. Whatever you do, Make room for Jesus. Start with Jesus in your heart. Bring him into your home. Talk about him. Brag about him. Praise him. Read a verse about him. Just read. Listen, read Luke 2 this, this year. Get him in your home. And then whatever you do, get him in your head. Jesus is bigger than your pain. Jesus is bigger than your grief. Jesus is bigger than your sorrow. Jesus is bigger than your fear. Jesus is bigger than your frustrations. But ladies and gentlemen, we have to make room for him. Focus on him. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, think on these things. And all God's people say it.